uh, family matters, and we've been dealing with uh, Ephesians, or actually starting off in Colossians chapter 3, and we set forth some principles about, um, about the family, and we saw that uh, actually chapter 3 of Colossians and chapter 5 of Ephesians are our uh, two sister passages. And then you throw in First uh, Peter chapter three, uh, where the Lord tells the the man uh, doesn't say love there, but to deal with the woman in an understanding manner, uh, that she is the weaker vessel. Now, not weaker in mind, equal in spirit, but weaker as vessel. And uh, for some reason, our uh, we don't uh, we. Uh, for some reason, we got our educated establishment that doesn't realize that today. And so how sad it is to see that, uh, um, that women are being treated like men. I don't, want women, I don't want my daughter or my wife or any of our ladies here to be treated like men. When I get with my men, I talk to them about how to treat ladies. So, you know, that's what we, what we do. I want you to be different. Uh, and I want to be different from you. <laughs> so... Because that's the way God made us. Binary, as we said. Male and female created he them. Binary means two different sorts of the same thing. So, of course, we're humans. But we are binary, if you want to call that now. Of course, I'm using my, what I understand binary means. And what, what is and that's the idea, idea that it's um, there's two different distinct organisms within the same system. And so, of course, we're in the human system. There's nobody like a male or a female on earth. We're all hu human. Um, a woman is different than any other female animal or insect or even biological tree or whatever else you know. There's, uh, you're different. And so is a man. But at the same time, we're human. So that's the idea of binary. But, so, yeah, but why? Because male and female created. We, you were created that way. Uh, you were formed in your mother's womb by the will of God. Now, of course, we know there's human instru instrumentality, but God knew. And there again, I, I, this is interesting as you study this. When does life begin? When does life begin? You say, at conception? Okay, well, the, it kind of hit me the other day as I was thinking about it. I was conceived in sin, and uh, you know, I was conceived in, in iniquity. Did my mother uh, uh, conceive me? Uh, Psalm one thirty nine. Well, I was born in sin, and in, in um, iniquity did my mother conceive me. Well, that tells me that um, that we already had the sin nature at conception. So, if we have the sin nature at conception, what does this tell us about life? Life begins when. At conception. So it's interesting. Now, I just saw something this past week, uh, and this is where it gets all into, into the principles of things. What happens whenever there is a tubal pregnancy and the woman's life is at stake? What do you do then? And there are uh, people that are really trying to push it and say, see, we, we, we don't, uh, doctors that are pro-abortion, we're not going to operate on her because the laws of Texas or whatever. Well, is that what the Bible says? No, when it comes down to a man, and I've got to choose between my wife and my baby as far as who's going to live, 
I choose my wife because God says I give myself to her. And so that was the one situation where there's a principle there. And, but, you know, that right there is, uh, but they're not going to believe the Bible. So, you know, they're, they're going to try to do whatever to, to prove their point. But we see then we, there are binary. And as a result, we see that there's design. And we saw that in chapter 3 of Colossians, where the Lord talked about, um, about um, wives in verse 18. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husband as is designed in the Lord. And we talked about that mutual submission. We're to submit ourselves one to another uh, in the fear of the Lord, as we see in Colossians. A man submits himself to marriage when he says, uh, I will you know, forsaking all others and I'm going to cleave to my wife. Then he's submitting to the rules of marriage under God. He's submitting himself to God. He's making a vow before God that he's going to submit himself to uh, the laws of marriage. And then God gives us some rules about that. And so uh, and if I to, am to give myself to my wife, that's, uh, that's a form of submission, isn't it? It's a, a ranging under, as we said. And so I'm forsaking all others. I'm forsaking my pals. I'm forsaking everybody because that person becomes the number one in my life. And so there's a mutual submission, but different roles by design. A man will never have a baby. No matter what Harvard says, no matter how hard you think, guys, you'll never have a kid. You'll never get pregnant. I mean, you could think it all you want to, and you could go to seances, and you can go to Harvard Medical School or whatever else, but you will never have a baby. Aren't you glad? <laughs> so there again, but it's interesting, in spite of all the pain and all that that's in childbirth, there's a natural instinct that women want to have children. Why? That's the way God made them. And so there's two things that the Bible says that are... Uh, that are never satisfied, and that's the grave, <laughs> somebody's always going to be buried, and the empty womb. There's something about a woman that wants to have a baby. You say, well, wait a minute, I know some people, okay, I know, but there again, the nature, the natural instinct is for women to want to have children. When my, that's the thing I noticed when my daughter was uh, a child. We never, she would grow up around three boys. I mean, she was the third of four, bo of four kids, and she was... Uh, and so when she and Timothy would get, and they would, do, they would get the, uh, the, soft, uh, the sofas out, and they, they would, man, he would make his pirate ship, and he would put a staff up and all that, and he would tell her to come on and be with me. And she said, well, let me go get my babies. We never taught her that. <laughs> but she had to go and get her dollies and bring her dollies in to be on his pirate ship and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we didn't teach her that. And that was the thing that, that I, as I said, I grew up around a lot of, of boys and men. And so I was just always, I've always been mesmerized by the difference since I had a little, since I had a daughter. I mean, it just changed my life about, about people and about, about children and about, well, about women. And there's nothing like it. Now, when I got married, my wife had to train me in a lot of things. But, you know, but uh, no, we had to learn a lot together. We all do. But um, at the same time, it's just amazing to sit back and watch the difference between a little boy and a little girl. That, but that's the way God made them. They're binary. They're different. I never wanted my daughter to be a boy. In fact, people kind of wondered about it because uh, I came from a family of boys. 
And whenever we had our first child, they said, oh, you want another little preacher boy, don't you? And I said, no, I want a little girl. No, you don't want a girl. I did. I wanted a girl. And so uh, finally on the third try, we had a girl. And so, uh, um, so God was good. But, so, but they're different. But that's by, as we saw in, uh, in Colossians chapter 3, it is fitting. And that word fitting means it's by design. And then we see that uh, God has designed it over in First Peter chapter 3, that husbands, you are to dwell your, with your wife with an, in an understanding manner as the weaker vessel. In other words, she's got needs that you don't have. And as she is your helpmeet, and that's a word that we get into complementarian today. Um, and women, uh, the, the liberal mind doesn't like that. Complementarian, you think that women are just made to be uh, to complete men. No, that's what God says. I mean, as someone has said, a man is not, um, is not complete until he has a woman and then he's finished. But, you know, <laughs> but, uh, no, uh, you know there's always that that connection that, uh, that we have. So we, I'm saying a lot of that to say, you know, okay, so we have different roles. And then the other thing we saw was that the Bible never tells the woman directly to love her husband. Now, a couple of times we see even in First Peter where it says, you ladies teach your, your, the younger ladies how to love their husbands. <laughs> so women have to be taught how to love their husbands. But there again, we're looking at the Greek world where you have a bunch of brute men. I mean, if they didn't like the kid, they could take him down to the city square and drop him off and he'd become a slave or whatever, whoever picked him up. You can imagine the horrors of that. Uh, the woman had no rights. Uh, even in the Jewish, uh, in Jews, with Jews, uh, all the guy had to do is take him before the city gates or before the synagogues in some places and say, I divorced thee, I divorced thee, I divorced thee, bye. And she was out. I mean, that was, I mean, how, the horror of that. And uh, there was even something about one of the schools, I think it was Hyle Hill. Um, I don't know how they made toast, but if, if the uh, woman burnt the bread, that was reason for divorce. Burnt offerings, I guess, were reasons for divorce. So, so you can imagine how tenuous it would be to be a woman. And, that, and so you can see how that the Lord talked about this. And for him to say to the Ephesians, where these guys had all those retainer prostitutes in the, in the um, temple of Diana, and, uh, or whatever temple there was in Colossae, and all these different places, where, uh, and then they had their slave girls and all the horrors that go on there. Um, for do you husbands love your own wives as Christ loved the church. I mean, that was revolutionary. You mean one woman? Yeah. I mean, anything else is adultery. And first Thessalonians, a Greek city. Uh, I want you to learn how to walk and to please God. Avoiding fornication. What's fornication? Anything outside of marriage. That takes care of any of the things they talk about today. I'm a, I guess I'm a phobe in so many areas. I'm a transphobe. I'm a homophobe. I'm all that. Because the Bible says, you know, husband and wife. Anything outside of that is bad. And so, so there again, that takes care of all. So are, am I opposed to it? No, it's just sin. Oh, my, you calling that sin? You calling my lifestyle a sin? Uh, no, God does. And I don't have to call it. So you answer before God. You won't answer for me. 
And really, when I deal with people, of course, I don't have to work with them much, but um, I do have children that do. And, um, but I say, it's a free country. You, you, can, you can go to hell if you want to, <laughs> you know, or whatever. But at the same time, I, I can't force you to live, a different, especially with uh, the way the laws are today. I can't force you to do anything. And yet, I'm the one that's a terrorist because I'm trying to force people to do something simply because I disagree with them. Isn't that interesting how sin is? And so we see that uh, we are uh, hooked on sin. Okay, so we looked at and I said all that to kind of bring us up to, to light. And that is, of course, husbands, love your wives, give yourself to her. If you really love your wife, you love yourself, which means that uh, you are learning how to deal with marriage and you're getting the pro- proper compensation by... By loving her, she responds to you. Well, that's what the design is. She builds your ego as you love her. Um, you know, my wife thinks I'm so strong, and I go in and I go, you know, whatever. I'm not very strong. I mean, you, I get with the rest of you guys, and I have to tell Dave, hey, Dave, help me with this ladder, you know, whatever. But with her, I'm strong. You know, well, that's all that matters. I mean, I don't care about uh, anything. I don't care what Dave thinks about me as long as my wife thinks I'm all right. You know, so... so uh, Again, that's all part of it, isn't it? I mean, I've got somebody that can complete me. Uh, and so the one thing that you don't want to see is for in a public life, and I think of Sonny and Cher and others in it, where if uh, I grew up in that generation, but they had a television show and she just cut him to pieces all the time. He was always like these funny, they were funny jokes, but it was always on him. Be careful of that as a woman cutting down your any man in public because man is ego-centered. A woman is emotion-centered. Now, does a woman have an ego? Yes. Does a man have an emotion? Yes. But man has got an ego. And you cut it down, well, that's why you, you can't build a person if you're cutting them down. And you can't give a woman security unless you supply her emotional stability. Does it make sense? And so, again, we see that, uh, um, now, does my wife have an ego? Yes. <laughs> Sometimes she lets me know about it. And so, I mean, uh, there again, but there again, because, uh, you know, but it comes out in a different way. She comes out it very emotionally. And, well, I don't get into, let's don't go too far with that, because, uh-oh, I, like I said uh, about those uh, royalties, I don't want to have to pay her too much right now, but uh, with, like I did with kids. Uh, but so then we said, okay, a couple of times now we see husbands love your wife. And then it hit me this week before we go on to that husbands love your children or don't be bitter against them or to provoke them. So here's this Roman world might mix right king. I'm the king of my castle and all this. So he treats his wife like dirt and he treats his kids like, uh, privates in the army. No, that's not what God wants. You know, do as I say and not as I do and all that. No, uh, it's you get, don't provoke your children to wrath. You've got to learn how to teach them. And we saw uh, biblically, how do I teach my children to love the Lord? I'm to love the Lord of my God with all my heart, my soul, and my mind. And I'm to teach my children to love. Well, how in the world do you love the Lord, you kid? Don't do this. Don't do that. I mean, wear the right clothes. Don't wear your hair the wrong way. And you just love the Lord now. Unfortunately, that's the way a lot of things are going. And no wonder 
kids say, when I get, get old enough, I'm out of here. Uh, because that's not teaching somebody, love your wife. I love you, dear. You know, bought you a hamburger yesterday, didn't he? You know, supply your car. You got your own car. You know, well, no, they want more than that. You know, it's more than than just a, bought you some roses a couple of years ago. Is that good enough? No, no. But, you know, no, uh, it's, it's a, so what is love? So, again, if a husband is to love his wife and then women are to be taught how to love their husbands, what's love? So that's what I want to concentrate on this morning. And so let's turn back to see what the greatest definition of love is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians 13. Now he's talking to a very fractured church, the Corinthians, a Greek Roman church, Roman Greek, uh, kind of both of the mixture there. It was a seaport city, so it was more of a salty type of people as far as their, their lifestyle and uh, the corruption and everything. I mean, they had a little bit of everything going on, kind of like New York City or Philadelphia or New Orleans. You have people from all over the world coming in, and as a result, you have <laughs> all kinds of things going on. And so, uh, and of course, they were fractured in so many different areas. But as he's talking to them, he's going one through another, one excuse me, one after another. He's having to talk to them about what's right or wrong. But then he gets off into chapter 13. He says, though I speak with the tongues of men, and what was happening where these people were having, you know, what was tongue? Excuse me. But they were talking about uh, tongues or what was, were tongues, and we've described what tongues are. Tongues were foreign languages, not seances or whatever else. Uh, but some people were wanting to show out with it, and, uh, and so the Lord had to come and talk. To, you know, tongues were for that supernatural gift that the Lord gave a Greek to talk to a Hebrew or to a, an Italian or whatever um, about the things. That was a, first, uh, that was a, a New Testament phenomenon. And uh, an interpreter was not somebody who had the gift in interpretation. Of, an interpreter was somebody who understood what he was talking about. So if uh, properly, if tongues were, uh, that means that if Anna, um, who has the gift of tongues, she can speak bilingual. But uh, so she starts speaking in tongues in the audience. What else, what, what has to be here? Somebody else who's got Spanish. Spanish. That's the interpreter. Now, of course, I don't think I'm just going to stand up and start, you know, whatever. But, uh, but there again, uh, and, and by the way, women weren't supposed to do that in the first place. But at the same time, that, was, uh, that would be the gift of tongues. And we, we've talked about that before. But, um, but we see, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. Oh, my. He says, but have not love. I am like a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. Now, men, don't apply that to the church. Apply that to your house. Apply that to your kids. Even though I might be the most famous guy in the world and I might be the best preacher in the world, if I don't have love for my kids, they just see me as a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. No wonder historically the reason some great men have lost their kids you know just think about it because they didn't show the love uh for their in the home that they showed in the congregation and so again 
And we see that love, it all begins with love. And it begins with personal relationships. And so we see that I have become a, a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, man, everybody around this church thinks I'm a spiritual giant. Isn't that great? So that I could remove mountains. I mean, whenever I pray, people want me to pray for them because, man, there's answers. Isn't that great? But if I don't have love, I am what? Nothing. So everything begins with love. Everything begins with that personal relationship, and God is love. So if God is love, what should be, and if I am godly, which means God-like, what does that mean I should be? What, what should people, people think of me or you? And that is, these people, they're very loving people. Isn't it the characteristic it should be? And even in our personal relationships, people see personal love and not just some showmanship or whatever. Now, of course, you say, well, what is love? And he's talking to a bunch of Greek people. What love, he's talking about agape. That's that word that they use that the gods have. Well, they brought the gods down to nothing more than, uh, than, uh, than soap opera type figures. You know, they're all running around with each other and Zeus has a child by whatever and all these different things. Uh, so, but they were the only ones who had agape love. It's interesting how that Paul adopts that very word and says, no, it's God's love. And he uses it for you and me. Agape love is not for the love of the gods. It's the love of God in your heart. So it's interesting how he brings that down to, uh, to a godly level in the in human mind. And so, or godly, godly love in a human, in a human level. But he says, uh, for if I have, uh, have all faith, so that I remove mountains, but uh, have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, praise the Lord, amen, that's great. And though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing. Um, I think, it, uh, uh, but I'm not going to mention his name because I might have him mixed up with someone else. But there was a man that had a great movement. I mean, he, uh, I think it was um, the bell ringers and all this around, uh, of course, the uh, Salvation Army booth. Um, but uh, it was said that he didn't even, uh, one of his children, he forgot their name. I mean, he was so busy out in the world that he had 10 or 12 kids. And uh, he even forgot, and you know, uh, that is why the, the battle between uh, a pastor or anybody is where do, who do I put first? And so if my kids don't see it, then uh, how, does it matter if I have a church of a thousand and I lose my own kids? You know, so again, we see that how important it is for a man to have love. love husband, love your wife. Well, okay, again, uh, what is love? So we're going to get into that. He says, and though I uh, give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing. So, you know, and that was happening in the Roman Empire. People were being burned at the, burned at the stake. And so even if that happens and people and your kids say, oh my, you know, he deserved it, you know, then you got problems, right? And so, okay, then what is love? And notice this is what he goes through. 
Love, now notice the negative. What does he have to teach us about what love is? He does it negatively. It's a little warm in here to me. If you want to turn the heat down some, I'd appreciate it. Love suffers long and is kind. And so long, and so we, so we see that, so, that love has patience with people. And kindness is undeserved. I mean, you do things for people because of who you are, not who they are. So if I open the door for a woman and show kindness to her, that's not meaning I want anything. It just means that I want to be nice as a man, right? I mean, and if a woman smiles and says thank you, then it makes me feel better, then, uh, then so what? I mean, that's, or what? So you understand what I'm saying. Uh, maybe I, I don't want to go too far in all those things because any hypothetical can be taken too far. But uh, again, but it, it cares about people. You want to see things happen in their lives that are good. And so love suffers long. Notice love does not envy. Dave has a motorcycle. I don't have a motorcycle. My oh, my oh, Dave must really be, you know, I think he stole that thing. He probably cheated on his taxes to get it. No, 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 okay, <laughs> no. Uh, you know, but there again, you know, just all kinds of things that come up uh, about, uh, you know, but I don't envy uh, because somebody has a better car. I mean, praise the Lord, you got it. So I don't envy people. Love does not parade itself around. It's not uh, going around saying, hey, look at me. Um, it's not puffed up. So again, it's not trying to notice the, the knots. It's always uh, putting others in front of yourself. Does not behave itself rudely or unseemly, I think. So you're not rude to people. It's hard to be loving and rude at the same time, isn't it? Now, apply this to your wife, you know, or to your spouse. Again, uh, it's so easy to be rude to the people you love the most or whatever that, that you're closest to. Um, and so does, is not rude. Does not seek its own. There again, love gives. For God so loved, and God is love, and so God so loved the world, what did he do? He gave his only begotten son. So again, love is looking for a way to give, not to take. And that's why I talk to young girls, if you love me, you'll know. If you love me, you won't even ask. You know, there again is uh, getting into... Don't, I mean, don't, don't give me, don't feed me this stuff. If you love me, you'll do this. No, if you love me, you'll care about me more than your wants, whatever it is. If you love me, you'll buy me a new car. Well, no, maybe you need to go out and work your, whatever, you know. So there again, trying to get something out of somebody else because they love you. No, it's, uh, what about you loving them? Why don't you give to them? And so again, it's do not, it does not seek its own. I like uh, one time a girl said, uh, does it look like I care? And I almost said, but I didn't. I, I almost said, lady, you don't have the capacity to care. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't. I almost did, but I didn't. <laughs> you know? uh, but um, because I would have been rude. <laughs> so <laughs> but uh, so does love seek its own. It's not provoked. 
the, thinks no evil. Oh my, there it is again, boy. You know, um, look at him. I mean, he thinks he's a hot shot, doesn't he? Or look at that woman. Uh, boy, I know she's got some things that are probably. Boy, if I could just find something wrong with that woman, I would have something on her. Is that what people do today? The gossip columnists, and I mean, boy, the internet has opened that up to to horrible things. You could say all kinds of bad things. That doesn't even have to be true. But uh, thinking evil of people. And there again, I don't want, I try, my wife and I, one thing she taught me, uh, back when we were early in marriage, we had a family that came through, and they were from a good biblical background, but they were very negative. And my wife said, this makes me uncomfortable because all we're talking about is things that are negative. And I'm going, you know, well, no, they, you know, these, this, some of this is doctrinal and all that, but uh, she was right. Because when you talk to negative people, guess what happens? Sooner or later, they start finding all the great things about you, right? No, they start finding what? They're trained. Their, their mind is to go not to your strengths, but to your weaknesses. And so they start picking out all the things that are wrong with you. So I, I don't want to be around negative people. That's the reason I like you guys. Because if you are, you, you're hiding it from me. But, uh, I mean, I, yeah, I can be picked apart. I got problems. And the closer you get to me, the more you see them. But if you dwell on them, then you're going to hate me. In the same way with you, right? I mean, if I just, oh, my. Uh, and I won't get it. I better not be too personal. <laughs> but, but, you know, if you're just picking out the little nits on people, then you can't love them. I mean, love overcomes a multitude of sins. Just think, I mean, if it's the multitude of sins, just while the, you know, uh, I don't like the way that woman dresses. You know, she doesn't, I mean, whatever, but okay, that does not seek its own, is not easily provoked. So you're not the, the hair trigger. You're not the person that uh, uh, you can't take a punch. I mean, as soon as they give it to you, do me once, shame on you, do me twice, shame on me, and all that stuff. No, um, uh, you don't walk around with your, your, your fist ready to hit somebody. And so it's not easily provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in the... Oh, man, did you find out? I knew that person was a phony. Oh, man, isn't that grandpa? Like, no. Whenever I hear that somebody has fallen into sin, I... And, and sometimes I want to... And there are people that I know are phonies. And when they, I, I want to say, I knew it. But then the Lord really convicts me, no, you pray for that person because even uh, you want to be wrong in those situations, not right. Correct? I want to be wrong about something I've heard or think about you that is negative. Prove me right. Uh, prove me wrong. <laughs> so, and there again, so I don't want to think. And just always, there again, notice the negative here. I'm always picking on something. Husbands, don't be bitter toward your wife. The more you get to know her, the more you find out she, you know, whatever. And I better not mention anything because if, even if whatever. You, so there again, you know, she does things that when we got married, I'm going, you know. But, uh, but then again, I was perfect. So, she, you know, like I told her, it was uh, very difficult to have a perfect marriage when only one of us was perfect. But, you know, <laughs> no, um, she put up with a lot that I didn't even realize till later on. But isn't that true with all of us? 
So again, what is love? Love is social. It cares about people. And so you can go down this list. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity. But rejoices in truth. Oh man, that is great. Uh, you know, um, talking about, you know, that's the reason I love to talk about my people. But it's never going to be negative. Not in public. You know, and if I have to talk about anything negative, it's going to be because it's going to be constructive. What can we do to help? And so, again, rejoices in truth, bears all things, and, and believes all things. Now, that's, not na- that's not being naive. It's saying, I want to believe the best about this person. And I want to believe that God can take this person and make him a trophy of his grace. Now, I see some faults or see something there, but Lord, you help this person to grow. And if I can be of a help to you in helping that person, help me to be a builder, edifying one another. And so help me to build my wife. Not cut her down, not be bitter toward her, not to find little faults and just uh, make her feel humiliated. But then again, she's got to learn how to do that about me. She's got to learn that I've got to, I mean, I've given the direct command. She's given, she's got to learn it. You know, it's one of those things. But then again, I think women have a much more natural ability than men do in these areas. And that's the reason, you know, husbands love your wife. God tells them that's a direct command to a man. Where I think sometimes with a woman it becomes more natural if she's given the right situation to have the right responses. Does that make sense? Okay, so bears all things, believes all, uh, all things, hopes all things, endures all things. So there again, there, there's a big list, isn't it? Now, if you turn over, and we, don't have, we won't take the time today, but if you turn over to Galatians chapter 5. Well, let's just go ahead and do it. I think we do, might have enough time. Galatians chapter 5. And um, this is the fruit of the Spirit. Now, what is now? We don't. We won't go into walk. He said, "Walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh." That's five sixteen. But now, notice in verse twenty two. I'd love to go through this whole passage, but we don't have time. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace. The fruit of the spirit. It all begins with what? Love. Don't tell me you're spiritual and you hate people. Don't tell me uh, that you are filled with the Spirit and all you can do is talk mean about people. Don't tell me that you are filled with the Spirit and you hate your wife or your husband or your children or your neighbor. Uh, Do we have problems with those people? Definitely. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Now notice the other two, love will bring joy. And joy will bring peace. So all three of those are inward. Those are your relationship with the Lord. But notice the rest of these are all social. They're all what you do with other people. And most of them are tied right into 1 Corinthians 13 about what love is and treating other people. They're almost the same thing, almost the same list. And notice he says... um, that uh, for the spirit faithful uh, notice he says uh, love joy peace that's that's what God gives us 
long-suffering. Love suffereth long and is kind. Notice how it just starts right off the bat. Love suffereth long and is kind. There's kindness. Goodness. Goodness it only comes from God, so that means that uh, if you're good, it's because you've learned God's traits and you're copying what God does. Faithfulness. Love never faileth. Um, gentleness. Thinks not its own. It's always thinking about other people. Thinking about your wife. Thinking about your self-control. You guys, you don't come back home and beat your wife. You, now, I do say that uh, I had a full head of hair before I met my wife, but... Uh, <laughs> 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 one time I did... Uh, my, when we were growing, boy, I got myself in a big bunch of trouble because I think it was Jonathan. Daddy, why are you bald? Why are you losing your hair? I said, because your mother hit me over the head with a frying pan. And I was just saying, you know, I just was saying something. And he, uh, he told the Sunday school teacher, Mommy hits my dad over the head with a flank. And, and all of a sudden, and you always have people laughing about it, but you'll always have those people going, you know, we better take a note of that. So, <laughs> so. Uh, and so I learned not to tell my kids things like that. And that we still laugh about that to this day, and they're up in their 40s, you know. And so, <laughs> but, uh, um, and now he's going bald. And I'm asking, have you got any frying pans around? <laughs> but uh, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against which there is no law. In other words, if you do these things, there's nothing. I mean, that's what the law is all about. You don't kill people, thou shalt not kill. You don't steal from them because you respect their possessions. You don't lie about them or bear false witness. You don't tear up the roof. So, you know, the, the last six commandments are social. Here we've got the social stuff right here again. And so, so love starts at home. Love starts in the heart. Love starts with, uh, with the person. Love starts in the church. And uh, so we see that... Uh, that he, so husbands do it, and uh, ladies learn how, <laughs> so, you know, or learn how to do it better. Learn how to how to, and that's why we saw back in First Peter six verses uh, telling the woman how to love the husband, and only one verse about the husband's loving or to, 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 to knowing how to take care of, because the woman had to learn how to deal with that old brute. Where God get direct command to make to the guy, whereas a woman, the Lord has to kind of teach her how to do it. Isn't that interesting? And so it is um, that uh, that husbands love your wife. That's design of God, and it all begins with you. Well, I'll send my my wife and children to church because that's a woman thing. No, uh, it's a godly, it's a manly thing. But, uh, uh, Christianity's for men. Now the ladies have come along, but unfortunately. Uh, the reason we're having so many problems in churches and the reason we're having trouble with such of the diabolical things that are coming into churches today is because the men have not taken the positions and the order has been turned around, the design has been turned upside down, and now we're seeing all churches that are pr promoting abominations that God says are abominations. Uh, and so, you know, there is no way and we got a couple of churches in town. Uh, one has a, a rainbow flag and all the rest. Uh, another one has a, a woman preacher who preaches that kind of stuff. And probably several others that are like that too. I just don't know about them. But uh, folks, 
that is, that's ungodly. I mean, that is, that's an abomination. I can't, and really you get to it, there comes to a point where the Bible says these people will not inherit the kingdom of God. So you say, wait a minute, can a homosexual go to heaven? I don't know, I'll leave it to God. I think there are a lot of people that are brought into it that don't know what they got into. I mean, when you're three years old and you got a, a teacher and sixth grade teacher teaching this kind of stuff, you know, you got problems. So I'm not telling you that a kid's going to go to hell or whatever else. Or a teenager who gets involved with somebody. I'm not saying that that person's on their way to hell. So that's, I'm not giving a blanket statement. But if a person of, gets to the point in their life where they say, this is right and this is what I'm going to do, they better check up on their salvation. Does that make sense? I mean, because the Bible diametrically, it does say, now, can a pe- person fall into it? Yes. I've had people come and say, Pastor, you won't believe what I did. And uh, about all kinds of sin. Is there hope for that person? Yes. But if there's no hope for that person, says, I'll do it because that's just the way I am. Well, okay. Uh, it's a free country. But, you'll, but I can't tell you what to do, but there's a God in heaven that you'll answer to one day. So I'm not going to give blanket statements. But at the same, because God will deal with the individual. But be careful if you get into that lifestyle because you're playing around literally with fire. Amen? And so, and so there again, that's, um, you know, godliness is love. Begins with love. That if I really love you, and I like, uh, there's that big controversy I told you about that the one, uh, one very famous man that I love to listen to preaching, but he gave some very bad advice. And that was uh, some, some lady asked him, should I go to this homosexual marriage or to wedding? And he advised just you know, go and let them know you love them. Well, I can't go to, a, to that kind of wedding because that's meaning I'm condoning something that God explicit, and so that person is standing for before an altar of Almighty God and saying, "I commit myself to an abomination. I cannot go with that." And I and so and if the state comes in and says, "What do you believe about this?" And if you preach and you're a terrorist because you're doing it, and we're on the internet, and they're going to take away our taxes status because of it, then I'll have to do it because that is, you know, this is where we say the Bible. We obey God and not men. Well, let's hope that it doesn't come to that point. Let's let's think let's think good of all things. Let's pray that our we have good legislatures and all that. So, but uh, but at the same time, we do have to make that drawing line. And so, but it begins with a man loving his wife. Isn't it interesting? And it changed all of Europe. It changed the Western world. And one of the things I still remember is back years ago. I was reading about uh, some woman, uh, an Olympic swimmer. And she was on one of these boats, one of these ferries that was going from uh, Jakarta, or I think it was Jakarta, one of those areas. And she was on a boat, and it capsized. And there were a lot of women with these high jobs and what do they call those big, long things or whatever. Uh, What's that called? I mean, where they go from top to burkas and all that kind of stuff. And there were men on there. And when the thing capsized, 
the uh, men got onto a little boat and the women were, with all this burka and everything, they were drowning. And so this Olympic swimmer, she was getting in ladies and fighting things to put them on. And she even found a, a boat with a couple of guys in it. It wasn't even full. And she was going to use it. And they threw her off because she was a woman. I mean, a whole lot different than uh, the Titanic. When it went down, every man that was on that ship was suspect that, that, uh, that survived. Right? That's a, the different Western, Western and Eastern way of looking at things. But, it be, but why? Because it all begins with love. It all begins with what God tells a man to do with a woman. So isn't it interesting how that is? So we need a lot of men who know how to love. Amen? Oh boy, I'm talking to a lot of ladies here too. But, but, but then the ladies, you need to learn how to love. But you know, but, uh, it all begins. And so even in teaching a man, and I, I think of um, Elizabeth Elliot, Elliot, uh, she was a missionary, but she had some of the best books about teaching men how to love. <laughs> so, you know, she was a tremendous lady, but some of her best teaching was worth the men. And she wrote to her, and she did it by writing to one of her grandsons and telling him how to love. And so it's, uh, it's if you pick up any of those, that, that, that's some very good stuff from Elizabeth Elliot, uh, the great missionary back in the 1950s. That uh, became very famous because she was one of five widows. Their husbands died with that that situation down in Ecuador. But uh, maybe that's a whole new generation. Maybe you don't know about that. But uh, okay, guys, we got to learn how to love. And as a church, that should be our characteristic: is knowing how to care about people. Let's pray, Father. We know that you're the God of love. You're the King of love. And so, Lord, we pray that we would be godly, that we would learn how to love one another as you loved us, that uh, we would edify and build up one another, that uh, you would be encouraged, that you would be glorified by what you see in the attitudes, in the practices, personally, in this church, where no one sees them, or very few, few people do, but that's characterized by both publicly and privately by the gift of love. Bless your people, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.